Angels Among Us is the series that we have begun teaching from the beginning of Advent. And the main theme that we find in Scripture is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because God is planting in our hearts and God is sending to the world more hope. Think about it. Than there was before Christ. More love, more peace, more joy, and even more life into our hearts. In that way, we also become messengers of the message of, of a fearless world, a world that we don't have to be uh, under fear of anything that is negative, but rather have the freedom to love Jesus and to walk in Jesus' way. Our anchor image, as you have noticed, is a feather, and the feather represents the ancient winged messengers that brought that message way back. I mean, we think they have wings. We don't know. I don't think so, because when we look at those feather-nice cherubs and, and seraphims and angels that we see in, in movies and, and cards and, and paintings, they kind of evoke a smile. And what I see in Scripture, that every time the Lord showed up, in form of angels, and they were freaking out because the first thing that came out of their mouth was, do not be afraid. So obviously, uh, we're not going to be emphasizing the fact of angels, but we're going to be emphasizing their mission, their ministry, the fact that they are messengers, emissaries, and sharers of good news. So that today, in modern days, we then become those messengers without wings, but... Messengers with Twitter, with Facebook, and with our relationships. In our five stories that we have been uh, uh, watching, we, we, we have been seeing how uh, an angel came to, you know, to Zechariah, uh, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds. And their life was never the same. Because it seems that every time life is going to interrupt, to erupt, to make it in your scene... Life is not going to be the same. In our first angelic apparition, the message brought more hope to a couple who was hopeless, who was in despair because they had been waiting for a child and the promise was not given. And yet that couple was given hope, was given a great promise, and they are the parents of John the Baptist. In the second apparition, we have Mary, uh, who, who's a young girl who suddenly the angel appears in front of her. And she has a reaction, but instead, instead of, you know, doubting and, and fearing to that point of doubt, she questioned what was the meaning of all of this. What was the purpose for all of this? And therefore, she found peace as she discovered purpose in her life. And she embraced the purpose of God, and she embraced the call of God in her life. In our third angelic apparition, which we had last week, the angel appeared to Joseph through a dream this time. And, and Joseph, who was trying to make a, a huge decision whether to, to leave Mary behind because now she's with child from God. Hello? He decides, because of the angel apparition, to obey the Lord and follow through and be with her. So he discovers more joy as he is able to keep his girlfriend, fiance, which he had fallen in love. And now knowing that he's part also of God's story. He's a participant in God's story. So he joins God, Mary, in the story of salvation. 
You see, God makes us participants of stories. Maybe your story will not be in a gospel, in a book, or somewhere like that. But God is writing a story in your life, and you have to become participant in that story. And it is not a story about grandiosity. It is not a story about killing, you know, giants against the enemies of God. It is mostly a story of love and humility and obedience and following that which is good according to God's eyes. So today I invite you to consider the fourth apparition, an angelic apparition that will change the life of the people who saw it and will redefine their perspective and will drench them with a love that comes only from God. In verses 1 through 7 uh, in in chapter 2 of Luke, we find the story of of Joseph having to to gather his wife because there is an edict, a new rule that was passed that he now has to go to Bethlehem. So between uh, chapter 2 verse 1 and and, and verse 7, there is that journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. And we find uh, uh, that there is no room for them in town. The town is swollen with visitors. There's no more room at the Holiday Inn, not even in the sleep, in the six, sleep eight, whatever. Motel eight, yeah. I don't know them. But not even there there's a space. So they have to go to wherever they find accommodations and, and they end up in a, in, a, in, a, in a cave with animals to spend the night. Verse 8 changes the scene from them in that cave. And it takes us to the wilderness. It takes us to the valleys near Jerusalem, or near Bethlehem, pardon me. And listen to and for the word of the Lord. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angels reassured them, do not be afraid, he said. I bring good news that will bring great joy to a people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others and the armies of heaven. Uh, By the way, I I want you guys to join in the story. So verse 14, why why don't you become that host, that angelic host? And repeat with me what the verse is going to say. Suddenly the angels was, was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Let's do it again. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is well pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see these things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger, After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherds were astonished. 
But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. The word of the Lord. It is fascinating that the story has been told for centuries now. The, the words have been read for centuries. But today I just basically want to ask three questions. And I want to go through the three questions very quickly, very basically. And the first question, that oh, they're all there now. The first question that I want to ask, actually the questions are there. To whom was the message delivered? The second question, what was the sign? And the third question, what did they find? To whom was the message delivered? What was the sign? And what did they find? Let's quickly go through those three questions and explore and find out exactly what is it that, to whom was the message delivered? Well, the message was delivered to those who are rejected in society. The message was delivered to the low of the lowest. No, I'm sorry. To the next of the low of the lowest. Because in this society, the low of the lowest were the lepers. Remember? Okay. Well, I don't think the Lord could have told them the message because if they were going to go to Bethlehem, you know, it was going to create some issues. But the glory of God showed up on the shepherds. Now, why were the shepherds next to the leopards? And not in fame or popularity, but in disgust and in uncleanliness. Well, they were known to be thieves. They were still pastors. They were known to be uh, 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 immoral and, and kind of be deprived. And they were considered unclean. So a shepherd would never set foot on a temple. They were not allowed. A shepherd would not even go to a government house. They were not allowed. So they had to have emissaries. They have to have representatives that would take them to these things. It sounds like today's society, we have people like that. That, that you know, they do their jobs. Actually, I mean, the shepherds did a very important job. People didn't have clothing with the wool and things like that. It reminds me of people in our society who we want them to do jobs, and we, and we depend on their jobs, like the ones that we get at the grocery store, talking about immigrants. And they do jobs that many of us don't want to do and we won't do. But in our own grandiose and supremacy way, we reject them and don't welcome them as equal in our society. But you see, the message of the good news went down there. It's like water. Remember the big snow a couple of weeks ago? It melted. Where did it go? It always found, as that snow was melting, notice this, it always found the lowest place that it could go to. So it is with the love of God. When it comes down to us, as God's messengers, our love for others is not just for ourselves, but those who are vulnerable, those who are needy in our population. You see, Jesus said that he did not come for those who think they're okay. Jesus said that he came for those who know they are needy. For those who know they are empty. For those who know they need God. For those who know they are lost. So the message was delivered to the low of the lowest. 
And guess what? That message was also revealed to you. So at one time, perhaps, we were also the low of the lowest in our sin. We were also the low of the lowest in our brokenness. We were also the low of the lowest, but God has brought us high, sit us in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. But that is not to lord over each other. The second question that we want to discuss is, uh, uh, what was the sign? I think that if I was a shepherd, or if I'm a truck driver somewhere in the boondocks, let's call Nebraska where there's less people and more land, and you have less chances of finding a, a, another car in the road in the middle of the night out there. Well, maybe that can happen in northern Georgia too. <laughs> but you see, what's the sign? I mean, if I would have, Andrew, just think, a whole, you know, the light, it's dark, this light shines, and this being hanging up in the air is talking to you. And your reaction is you're terrified. I want to say something here that I don't know if I can say or not. But if the angel said, don't be afraid, edit this, my reply would have been, where's the toilet paper? I'm sorry, but I'm freaking out. Did it get it? Did it get the message? I'm freaking out. You know, to me, that's a big enough sign. To me, that's a sign, my God. And then not only that, but a multitude of these beings began to show up in the skies and began to sing along. <laughs> okay. They got excited. They believed the message. And they went to town. They went to town. Now, the sign, what was the sign? Well, the sign was not you will go and, and to this golden palace and you will go through this silk window shields. And you will go through these marble floors, and you will find the baby there amongst the slaves. What was that? The, the, the fanners yeah. of those days. No. The sign was something that no one expected. You will, this is the sign, the scripture says. You will find the baby in a dirty, stinky, smelly food trough. Oh, we clean it up. We make it sound nice throughout the ages when we call it a manger, right? And we don't smell it when we call it a manger. We don't see it really for what it is when we call it a manger anymore. But that's exactly what it is. Contrary to human logic, the sign was not God's manifesting through the angels, but it was the simple manger see, the shepherds were now okay with that because they were not told, as they were the lows of the lowest, they were not told to go to, to a palace where they knew they would be rejected. They were not told to go to the temple where they also knew they were not going to be welcomed. They went to a place that they felt comfortable. They went to an animal trough. What do they do? They work with animals. They went to a place that they have gone many times. They went to a place of familiarity. And there they found in that humble, simple, may I say stinky, without any of that, they found the Lord. They found Jesus in the midst of that low, low, lowly, stinky manger. And to their reaction... I'm, you know, I don't know how they found a kid because uh, the angels don't give me an address. They don't get GPS either. 
So they must have asked someone in town, Where, have you heard of somebody being born today? Now, it's a small town, but remember, it was swollen with people. So I wonder, how did they get to the exact manger at the exact time? Did they get to the right manger? <laughs> of course they did. Nobody's asked that question. <laughs> did they get to the right one? There were other kids that had been born that same night in that same city. Of course there were. So they must have asked the sign, a kid born in a manger. Oh, sticky manger. Oh, I heard about that. Those poor people, they're there. That's how they probably got it. Those poor people, they're over there around the corner behind that tree in that rock somewhere in there. And that was a sign. You see, God does not meet us always in temples. God meets us where you're at, in your frustration, in your fear, in your anger. God meets you right there. And God invites you to meet where you're at. He doesn't ask you to step out of your, your comfort zone immediately, maybe later. God meets you where you're at. God meets you in your pain, your frustration, even in, even in your pretentious grandiosity, which is the opposite of love. Jesus declared that people will see a sign. Jesus also spoke about a sign. And people will see a sign. And they will see a sign that, because uh, they asked him, uh, Lord, how will others know that, you, that we are your disciples? What will be the sign? Well, Jesus said, because you're all going to be thinking like right-wingers. No. Because you're all going to be thinking like left-wingers. No. Because of your love, they will know that you are my disciples. That's the sign that people are looking for now, acceptance and love. The kind of love that comes from God that brings more love. The third question that we want to ask is, what did they find? Well, the shepherds, they went to town. They, they searched for the sign. They found the kid in the trough. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby. I'm sure they, were, they had some chats. I'm sure that uh, they shared what happened to them, to Mary. Because we believe that Mary is the one narrating chapter 2 of Luke to Luke. And he's copying it. So Mary found out about the, the apparition of the angels along with Joseph. And they knew what was happening. They may have shared a little water together. They may have, you know, some eggnog. I don't know. Maybe some coquito. So the angels found... Jesus. The angels found a baby in a manger. They didn't see a king. So they decided to believe the story of the angels. The Savior, the Lord is born in this place. So now they know they're going to go see that baby, that angel, that beautiful thing there. And guess what happened? They left the manger and they went to tell everybody. You know, the scripture says that everybody was, what, what was the word that it used? It says, and as they went out and told the story, they were astonished. You know what was the original? Their story was unbelievable. Well, first of all, who is the source? A love shepherd. How would you know about these things? So they, you know, they were low, low down there. So they found a message. That was given to the low of the lowest. What else did they find there? They found, uh, well, they weren't credible. So they continue on their way. Scripture says that they continue. They share with everybody. But they 
told the story as the angels had told them. So even though if you go out there to tell the story, and sometimes we don't have the credibility because really we don't, except in Christ the Spirit transfers that credibility to the listener, but God's love is poured more and more into our lives because it's the same as I described water melting and going down to the lowest places. So it reaches to the lowest valley, as the song says. But it goes to the highest mountain. Because this is what happens. When God begins to pour love in our lives, that love goes to the lowest places in our lives. Sometimes we hide, we deny situations, and we don't allow the love of God to really sip in those places. But it will eventually, because that is the nature of water, that is the nature of God's love. It will sip to the lowest places. But God will continue to pour more and more and more love in your life in ways that you may or may not understand. And then it continues to pile up. And what happens? happens it begins to fill up it begins to overflow and then my cup runneth over because God keeps pouring more love more love and more love into your life and guess what many of us don't deserve it but God does not mind that in Christ he pours that love. In Christ, he pours that love. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth for those with whom God is pleased. Not because of what you've done anything. God is pleased with us because of Christ. So God honors humility and crowns it with God's kind of love. God honors humble gratitude when you are welcome and accepted in his family and blesses it with more love. God honors our service and giving of ourselves and pours God's unconditional, enriching, and affirming love. Beloved, I invite you tonight to experience more love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that your spirit comes to our lives and it interrupts the scene of our lives that we're making up ourselves with our grandiose thoughts of ourselves. Forgive us when we compare ourselves and think of ourselves better than others because you do not do that. Your love comes down to our insecurities, to our doubts, to our fears, to free us from that. Forgive us, O oh God, when we criticize others, not knowing what we're really talking about. Forgive us, O oh God, when we speak too soon. Forgive us, O oh God, when we deny your love and pretend to be self-sufficient and not needy of it. We thank you that in this season we, we can come together and we can celebrate and be reminded of the gifts that you bring to us through Jesus Christ. We pray this morning for those of our congregation who are sick at home, who are in the hospital. We pray for Susan Patrick who may be released today. We pray for that as you are making her well. We pray for others who are here who may have difficulties. But Lord, we pray for your hand of healing, your hand of restoration, your hand of vitality and vigor to the members of this congregation. We pray peace. We pray more hope. 
we pray more love. We pray more joy to the life of this congregation. But we thank you above all for that little baby that was born in that stinky trough where the shepherds felt equal and not embarrassed to go there. And they met God. We thank you that he grew and he taught us and, and he moves us through his spirit that he sent in our lives to do that which is right and that which is proper to your sight. We thank you, O oh God, for the families here, but we thank you for him who taught us to pray and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.